Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jenna. For those of you who don't know, I'm the family ministry intern here at LCC, and I've been here for about four months. And in those four months, I've really loved the time I've gotten to spend with our kids and our students, as well as with our staff and with all of you. I'm really thankful to be here today on a family service where we have all of our generations together. And in our time together today, we're going to be looking at a cool relationship between two people in the New Testament named Paul and Timothy. And Paul, as Mike talked about before, he's written a lot of letters in the New Testament, which we'll be looking at next week also. So today we're going to be looking at a letter that he wrote to Timothy called 1 Timothy. And we know from the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, as well as from other places in the New Testament where Timothy is mentioned, that Paul and Timothy have this really cool relationship. Paul mentored Timothy and really poured into him as a young leader. He brought Timothy along with him in a lot of trips to churches and his writing of letters. And now he even sent Timothy out on his own. In our kids' ministry classes on Sunday mornings, we tend to learn a lot about the Bible from videos. So because it's a family service and because this is a new book, I figured we would learn more about 1 Timothy from a video. Just so you know, this speaker in this video does talk a little fast, but do your best to track along and we'll recap some of the things that he talks about. So this is the Bible Project video on the intro to 1 Timothy. Paul's first letter to Timothy. Paul spent many years traveling about and starting new churches, and he developed a large team of co-workers in this mission. Timothy was one of these. Paul was once in the city of Lystra, and he met Timothy's faithful mother and grandmother, and he was impressed by Timothy's passion and devotion to Jesus. And so Paul mentored him for many years and eventually started sending him on missions to different churches. And so when Paul got word about a group of leaders who infiltrated the influential church in Ephesus, they were spreading incorrect views about Jesus and what it means to follow him, he sent Timothy to confront these leaders and restore order to this church. So after Timothy arrived there, Paul sent this letter to follow up and instruct him on how to fulfill this mission. Paul's first letter to Timothy. So as the video pointed out, Timothy is in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a town where Paul had traveled to before, and he was part of a church that was just getting started. And now this church is just teaching some things and saying some things about Jesus that just aren't right. So Paul sent Timothy on his way to help correct these things. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I would not love to be Timothy because I don't love confrontation. So to be sent somewhere to tell somebody that they aren't doing things well would just not be my favorite thing in the world to do. But Timothy, though, probably with a different attitude than I would have, he went and he's now in Ephesus. And Paul, being the super kind guy that he is, doesn't just say, cool, see you later, Timothy. Thanks for doing this for me. But Paul writes him a letter, and this letter is um, one of support and encouragement and instruction for him. And in the midst of this letter that Paul is writing to him, he looks at Timothy and he says, Let no one look down on you because you are young, but set believers an example in your speech, conduct, love, faithfulness, and purity. Let's think for a second like we are Timothy. At this point, we're likely in our early 30s, and as the video mentioned, we had been preaching with our mom and our grandma around, and then we were doing it with Paul. But now, we, 
all of us, as Timothy, we are doing it on our own for the first time. So everybody just, just picture this. You're in Ephesus and there's things going wrong and you're the one that has to correct them and it's probably super intimidating and most of the leaders are older than you and you're the one who has to tell them that things aren't going well. And here comes our dear friend Paul and he says to us, let no one look down on you because you are young. It's that verse in particular, 1 Timothy 4.12, that has played a really significant role in my life, which makes me all the more thankful to be here with you all today, being able to share this with you. 1 Timothy 4.12 has played such a significant role in my life because the church I grew up going to had a youth group called 412, named after this verse. And I went to 412 from the time I was in seventh grade all the way until I graduated high school and left for college. Now, 412 wasn't just called 412 so it could have this cool name that stood out above the rest of all the other youth groups, but it was called 412 because the person who ran it, who may or may not be in this room, um, Shana, Shana was the one who ran it. She, uh, <laughs> Shana named it 412 because she cared to be on a mission to empower all of her students to know God and to know that they could serve and lead in whatever ways they wanted no matter how young they were. And it's also so great because we just got to see the baptism of Hannah and James, and they are wonderful young, young kids who are made in God's image with unique gifts that they'll find later on in their life that they could use for his kingdom. 412 is a deep message of encouragement to me, as I'm sure it was for Timothy. Have you all ever had a time in your life where you just really needed some encouragement? Maybe work was getting hard, or maybe there was a school subject that was getting harder than the rest. Or maybe you were trying to make friends and it was, seemed really hard. Or maybe life just got busy and it was getting really taxing. I think, and I hope you all can agree, that encouragement means far more when it comes from somebody who knows you than when it comes from somebody who doesn't know you. There's a huge difference between getting a generic, you can do it, from somebody that you don't really know, versus a really heartfelt message of encouragement from somebody who gets you. And Paul and Timothy, they seemed to have this relationship where this encouragement meant far more to Timothy because it came from Paul. As the video mentioned, Paul had met Timothy and he really liked the way that he was talking about Jesus. So then Paul brought Timothy along with him and he was involved in all this work that Paul was doing for the early church. We can see a little bit of this relationship of them working together by looking at the book of Colossians. The greeting and the introduction of this letter says, from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, to the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. The letter of Colossians then goes on to also talk about ways to teach about Jesus and to be the church and do it in a good way. And I bring up this whole other letter to point out the relationship that's going on between Paul and Timothy. In the letter of Colossians, Paul and Timothy, they're doing this together. That's why the greeting says, from Paul and from Timothy. So they're doing this together and they're writing and Paul is bringing Timothy along, which then leads to the point where in 1 Timothy, as we've seen, Timothy is doing this on his own. 
And what I think this shows is that Paul spent a lot of time mentoring Timothy, and he poured into him as a young leader. He showed him how to lead, and that brought him to the point where Paul was then able to share that leadership with Timothy. And I believe without this relationship, that Timothy might not be able to go out and lead as a young person and be able to go out on his own. And not only does Paul send him this letter of encouragement after sharing leadership with him and sending him out on his own, and he says, let no one look down on you because you are young, Paul also continues to set Timothy up well to not be looked down upon. That's why he says, let no one look down on you because you are young, but set believers an example in faith, love, speech, purity, and conduct. It's just like parents and kids. Parents don't say to their kids, okay, see you, have a good day at school, and stop there. But they make sure that their kid is set up well to have a good day at school. They pack a lunch or make sure their kid has lunch money. They make sure their kids have a backpack full of whatever supplies they might need. And they also make sure they have a way to get to school. So your parent doesn't say, okay, see you, have a good day at school. But they give you what you need so that their kid can actually go have a good day at school. And that's what Paul is saying here when he says, but set believers an example in faith, speech, purity, love, and conduct. And these five things that he says can be pretty easy for us to think about. I think if we sat down just for a couple of minutes and really thought through like, okay, today, what ways have I been an example in the way that I've loved somebody or in the things that I've said? I'm sure we can come up with a couple of examples. Another way that we can do this is with this booklet that we have, and there's some in the back. And if you are somebody that has, if you are a young person or you have a young person in your life, I'd really encourage you to go through this booklet. I did it when I was a student in 412, and I really enjoyed it. And this booklet, it goes through some pretty practical questions of how young people really can be this example. And if you have somebody young in your life that you're going through this booklet with, it can be a great way to practice something that's called keychain leadership, which is what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time. So keychain leadership is something that came from Fuller Youth Institute out of Fuller Seminary. And they wrote this book called Growing Young. And they wrote it after they did this really cool study where they were looking at churches that were growing and thriving with people ages 15 to 29. So through this study and this book that they wrote, they came up with six strategies to help a church care for the young people around them. And the first one they share is called keychain leadership. Keychain leadership first starts with keys. And keys are any accesses and capabilities that a leader might have that could be used to empower a younger leader. So then keychain leadership comes when people who have their keys are well aware of the keys that they hold and the power and the opportunities and the accesses these keys give them, and they're willing to pass them on to somebody else. Literally, we should want to hand over the keys of our church to a younger generation, and it's by giving up some of our power that they are then empowered. To show further what keychain leadership is and why I think the relationship between Paul and Timothy is so important, I would like to share with you all a story from my own life. 
So this is me and Shayna when I was a senior in high school. So I don't know, four, five years ago, something like that. And this is where the story takes place. So when I was a senior in high school, my school gave me this opportunity where they were going to give me class credit for an internship I did outside of school. And as soon as I got this opportunity, in my mind, there was only one place and with one person that I was going to do this internship. And it, was, it just had to be with Shayna at the church that I grew up in. So Shayna let me be her intern when I was 17, which I'm now again, which is pretty awesome. So... <laughs> So when I was her intern when I was in high school, there was one Saturday where Shayna had a meeting for all of the adult volunteers in the youth group. And on that same day, there was a meeting of all of these youth pastors that were gathering around in the area to plan one event for all the youth groups. So because of this conflict, Shayna led her leadership meeting and she sent me in her place to the youth pastor meeting. Now, I have to tell you guys, at 17, it was such a sweet feeling to be trusted enough and to be, be believed in that I got to go somewhere in Shana's place and meet with all of these other youth pastors. And just like Paul set Timothy up well, Shana also set me up well. She had connected me with another youth pastor that was in the area, and so I got to meet him and make sure like I knew somebody before I went into this meeting. So I go to this meeting and other youth pastors had brought students with them. So that made me feel more at ease that I wasn't the only student there. But then the meeting started to go poorly because we split up into smaller brainstorming groups to think about specific things and aspects of this event. And in my small brainstorming group, every idea or thought that I shared got zero response, no reaction. And then, when we came back, all as a group, all of these small brainstorming groups came back together to share what we had thought of. Other people took what I had said, shared it with everybody, and the whole room had positive reactions. And that moment, it made me feel so unseen. Like, because I didn't have somebody older there with me, that my voice didn't matter. And it felt really bad. I felt like I never should have gone to the meeting in the first place. So then the meeting ended, and I just immediately got up, kept my head down, and was walking out the door. And the youth pastor that Shana connected me to, he stopped me while I was halfway out the door. He looked at me and he said, Jenna, the Holy Spirit is really putting it on my heart to give you this lion necklace to remind you that you are a brave and bold leader, and you should never be anything less than that. And I honestly don't remember if I said anything to him. I'm sure I did. But I took the necklace and I put it on and I got in my car and I drove over to the leadership meeting that Shana was running. And I wasn't just there at the meeting because I was Shana's intern, but because I was a leader at that meeting. Shana had asked me to lead a small group of sixth grade girls the whole time I was there. And so wearing this necklace and feeling so encouraged, I sat down and I was treated like every other adult that was at that leadership meeting. And what's ironic to me, but probably isn't ironic to God, is that this lion necklace wasn't just a lion, but it's a picture of a lion on a key. And I have not attributed any significance to the fact that I was on a key until now, until today, and thinking about keychain leadership. 
And now it wasn't that youth pastor that gave me the key in the first place that gave me all of this leadership and all these cool opportunities, while what he did was super significant to me, but it was the fact that Shana was constantly giving me keys, my own keys. She sent me to the meeting in the first place. She gave me opportunities to lead, and I got to do that growing up, and I wore that necklace every day of my senior year of high school, being believed in that I could lead no matter what. And I wore that key every day, and I still wear it on days like today. Keychain leadership, it begins with relationships, and it ends with empowered young people who love God and love his kingdom. And the cool thing about keychain leadership, though, is that it has happened here in this church, and it is happening here in this church, and I believe it will happen in this church. But before we move on, before we move on to see how keychain leadership has happened and is happening here, I would like us all to take a second and just think through your own life. Think through if there was a time where you were trusted with something to do when you were younger or empowered to go out and do something. So think through that and then just share with a couple people around you or your neighbor. So go ahead and take a couple minutes to do that. All right, go ahead and wrap up whatever you guys are sharing. All right, thank you all so much for engaging in that conversation. The last thing I want us to do before we close out this teaching time is highlight some ways that our church is already practicing keychain leadership. So to do this, I'm going to invite Jada and Karis up on stage. So go ahead and welcome them up with me. Thank you guys so much for being able to do this. So Jada and Karis already find ways that they are serving our church, and I just wanted to give them the chance to just share a little bit about it with us. So Jada's written cards for our alongside team, and Karis serves in our toddlers. So I just want to give you guys a chance to just share with us why you like serving in that way, and if you want, just things that that might make you feel. So Jada, you want to start? Um, well, I like serving because... Um, I think it's, like, fun to m meet other people in our church, and it makes me feel that, um, like, um, good to, like, um, just be able to do that. Wow. Thanks, Jada. All right, Karis, tell um, us why you like serving. I like helping with the littles because um, I love watching them grow, like from when they're pretty little to when they're older and like see what, like how being in this church like affects them with their life. And yeah, I like, I like, being with um, the littler kids. Yeah, thank you guys so much. That was great. If you all would just join me in just clapping for them. That was so great. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome to go have a seat. 
That was just great examples of ways that our church is already practicing keychain leadership. And it's so great to have people like Jada and Karis that serve in our church. And what's great about it too is that there are so many other opportunities and ways that we can do this. Maybe there's young people here that we just don't know yet. Or maybe they have passions and things that they like that we don't know. So I would encourage you to just take some time and get to know some of our younger people here in this church because they're really great and they're already doing some really cool things. The other thing though is that keychain leadership both involves keys and the keys that we hand over. So also I'd encourage all of you to just think about what your own keys might be. Maybe you already serve here on a team or maybe you help your neighbor out with something regularly or deliver meals or rake leaves. Think about those keys that you have. And then also think about ways that you might be able to involve a student with you. Maybe you can take a student to cook and deliver a meal with you or a kid, whatever it might look like. I believe that we are all capable of serving and kids and students for you, you are our example and can be an example for us, just like Paul tells us. So think about things that are going on around you and maybe there's ways that you can be involved. And I believe that we are all capable of serving because that's exactly how Jesus lived his entire life. And he has just given us the greatest example of service. So as Mike comes up for communion, I just want to thank you all so much for being here and knowing that we all get to come and meet here at the table because of Christ's death, no matter how old we are. Yeah, Jenna, thank you. Thank you. Uh, what a great joy we have had these last few months to have Jenna on the leadership team of this church. As you can see, she's a great blessing. Um, so uh, thanks, Jenna, for sharing with us. And may it be that we give away the keys more. Uh, I, have, I have often always been baffled at the way Jesus treats his 12 disciples. Um, it, you know, in the reading of the Gospels, it feels awfully early when he gathers them together, gives them big titles, and then sends them out, not just to talk about him, but to, you know, cast out demons, heal the sick, you know, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, and proclaim the kingdom. They're not supposed to pack anything. They're supposed to just, you know, depend on the hospitality of others. So he's got the, you know, these, the disciples are, are a range of ages, but some of them are quite young, and he's sending them out. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, at the supper that would later prove to be the Last Supper, and that's why we call it that, he goes through the process, the things that we repeat every week, you know, about the bread and the wine. Uh, but there's something, as Gina was sharing just now, that stuck out to me. It's, it's always been a little strange to me that Jesus says, you know, this is my body given for you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Why doesn't he say, eat this in remembrance of me? Isn't it interesting that he says, do this? What is he saying? It occurred to me as Jen was talking just now, and this may be wrong, but this is the idea that I have right now, so go with me. Um, it occurred to me that he was equipping them to serve that meal later. Like he was starting a, a, a beautiful way of worshiping and connecting with him that his followers have done 
throughout the millennia all over the world, even on the far reaches of the planet, on the other side of the planet, 2,000 years later, in the basement of another church that has another church meeting in the gym and another church meeting after the other church. Like, we get to do this. He equipped, he gave away the keys. And these are big keys because this is our encounter with the living God in a tangible way. So on the very night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it. Saying, take this and eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And every time, church, we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And, and kids, I hope that when you come to this table, you would, you would think about it and even ask your mom and dad, what does this mean to you? Why do we do this? Why do we eat this strange bread and dip it into this wine? And talk about it with each other. Tell them, tell your parents what Jesus means to you as you think about the gift of this meal. Let's pray together. Father, you are so generous to have sent your son, Jesus. And that before the eyes of the world, he grew from being a baby through a child and a teenager. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And Lord, now we have the joy as a church of watching that story play out again and again in the children of this church. That is our prayer in Jesus' name for James and Hannah Jorgensen and all the kids that they represent, that they would grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. And so, Lord, as we come to this table, we come not because we have been impressive at a young age and been able to preach an amazing sermon like Jenna at a young age. No, we come, Lord, broken and empty-handed. You called us before we ever could do anything to earn it. And so we come to this table celebrating the gift and life that came by your Holy Spirit through your call to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.